in and out. One more time. Okay, let's, let's talk to Jesus a little bit, okay? Oh, Heidi's sick. She caught the tail end of everybody. So she called this morning real froggy and asked us to go without her, which is she didn't want to. It's the first, first uh, one of the season, and she's disappointed. So send her love and healing and, and just, just know that you're thinking about her. I appreciate that greatly. Yes, because if I fail, they're going to start shouting at you. So,
Would you pray with me? Maybe you can just put yourself into a, a space where you can close your eyes and not pay attention to what's going on around you. Sure, you can be seated. Yeah, that's great. You can be seated. Um, yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for bringing us back home, back to this space where we belong, where we see familiar faces and are reminded that we are not alone. We thank you for this house. Thank you for this space. Thank you for calling us to it. Amen. And give a big round of applause for this beautiful band. Good job, you guys. Good job. Y'all want to come on down? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you, guys. Prayer and sharing. I wanted a little, yeah, I would love a little chair. Well, Happy New Year, y'all. <laughs> it's been three weeks since I've been here. How about you? It's been a little while. Um, y'all did y'all did church without me um, that Sunday right before. I'm sorry. I'm I was holding it farther away from my mouth than I should have. You can turn me back down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I forgot how to do this, y'all. You're gonna have to help me. I forgot what I'm doing. Mm. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at us. We showed up. We did this. And I think I see, yeah, I see everybody. It's good. I've asked Marsha. Marsha and Christina always have really cool practical ways to live out their faith. And um, I heard about a new, a new Year's resolution or actually a routine that they're doing, and I thought it would bless you guys, so she's going to share, um, to kick us off with a prayer and sharing. Um, we don't have a peace blessing today, so this is taking uh, the peace blessing. We, um, the fields are sick, and you know, so is Heidi, a number of other folks are, are struggling with the sickness as well. Um, so I thought we could just get acquainted with one another again, since it's been so long since we've been in the house, you know what I mean? And just kind of share and just uh, open up our hearts to one another. It's always interesting, the first thing, I, I think Shara said it, it's like new beginnings are, are interesting, you know, and starting something new can always come with just a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear about what it, what is it going to be like, you know, what's it going to be like in here today? How's it going to be? And... Um, I think we all came for the right reason and to the right place because we all want peace. We want peace, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like a break from right up here. How about you? I mean, I don't want it to go anywhere. I don't need to lose my mind. <laughs> but I, I would like it to, um, 
be agreeable with me <laughs> for a little bit, you know, just simmer down. <laughs> I don't need to say, say it. I don't need to lose my mind. I'm not trying to say that. I don't want it to go offline. But um, some more peace this year would be pretty good, I think. Yeah, some peace and some rest, some joy. Absolutely. Well, Marsha, come and, and share. And you guys are going to love this. You guys will sit. Can I stand? Okay, good. I'm going to stand. I don't like to sit. So you know how you get on, well, I was on Instagram, so I'll just say that, social media. And, you you know, you go to one thing, and it leads you to the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. And so I was listening to this uh, lady who had last year had started a grateful journal at the beginning of the year. And she was how much it had changed her life over the year. And I thought, man, I've never done that before, a grateful journal. But she was writing down like five things a day, and I'm like, oh, I can't put that much pressure on me, right? That's too many. And so maybe two, right? And so I was talking to Christina about it, and so we decided to do it together at night. We went out and bought a notebook. And so every night this week, we've been writing down two things that we're grateful for for, for the day. So it's not, I mean, obviously we're in week one, so it's real easy, right? So at some point, <laughs> it's going to have to get deeper and everything. But so we've been writing stuff down. Um, you know, one of my things was I was, I was tired. I had had a busy day. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for my bed. Everybody loves their bed. You know, you go on vacation, it's great. But when you get home, oh, my bed. I was so grateful for my bed and everything. So, but by Wednesday, I realized what I started doing was, is that on my way to work, I'm like, hey, you need to pay attention. Tonight when you're tired, and I'm not good at on the spot talking, thinking of something, I have to think about it. I thought, I got to start now to watch out for something that I might be grateful for for today while I'm working, right? And so I've been doing that. And so I don't, and for me, sometimes I work by myself. I'm listening to music and stuff like that. For, but for the most part, I'm just listening to something, so I'm left alone with my thoughts, right? And sometimes I think about stuff maybe that happened 20 years ago. Like, I was an idiot. Remember tell, talking to myself, you remember that time you did blah, blah, blah? You acted like a jerk, you know? And I still, it's like I'm still hanging on to it, right? And so the week has progressed. I'm like, you know, I, I found out that I was thinking less of those kind of thoughts, and especially coming off the holidays, right? And it's still difficult with family, my family, and stuff like that, and all that emotional baggage that sometimes I still hang on to, right, instead of let go. And then I'm thinking, I was thinking uh, yesterday, well, it's the beginning of the year. I always want to lose, and I always need to lose, especially after the, my last six months, 20 pounds, right? Wouldn't it be great? I'm going to be 60 this year. I need to lose 20 pounds, right? I need to be in the best shape of my life. And then it hit me with this grateful journal that we started, and I'm writing stuff down that I'm grateful for every day. Um, and it's causing me to think of other things, not of those things I did 20 years ago or the thing I did last week or maybe the relationship with my family. It's causing me to think of other things. But wouldn't it be awesome this year in writing this grateful journal, two things every night that maybe I lose 5, 10, 15 pounds of emotional baggage this year. Forget about the weight. Forget about what the scale says, right? What if I lose that 10, 15 pounds, maybe 20 pounds of emotional baggage? Woo-hoo, I'm telling you. 
Makes me want to run around this place. Who could, who could lose some emotional baggage this year? Finally let go of all the stuff we hang on to. And why do we do it? Why do we have God's hanging on to it for us? It's gone. We go back and get it. Say, hang on, I got to go get it. You know, let me bring it into this job, right? Let me think about this. But I'm telling you, in just a week, and I'll let Christina share her side, but just in a week of doing this, it, it's changed my week. It's changed my thinking. All day long, I'm thinking about what kind am I grateful for? Am I grateful for that? And, you know, one day, I mean, I was grateful for a brand new paintbrush because I'm a painter. I love a brand new paintbrush. I'm grateful for that, you know. So it's, right now, it's some is little simple stuff. Other stuff is going to be deeper. But I can't wait to see. And I hope you hold us to it. I can't wait to see what I feel like and where I'm at three months from now, where we're at six months from now. And I hope to be up here at the end of next year, and we can just tell you we've lost 50 pounds of emotional baggage, right? <laughs> Woohoo! And y'all, everybody's going to be. So I would like, well, I'll let Christina share, but I would like for you guys to think about that. It, it's really simple. And if you're in a, some people, writing is easy. Instead of writing stuff down, it's hard for me. It's, you look at Christina's, it's, she's got beautiful handwriting. And I get done, I can barely read what I wrote. I have to slow down and write it, you know? But it's something about it. It's just, even, there's been a couple rough days, right? And you can go back and look. I have things to be grateful for today. Did it go my way? No. But I have these two things that I was grateful for. Anyway, so I'll let Christina share. What's really funny is uh, Marsha and I are like complete opposites. So the very first day we went to write, I wrote mine with a pink pen and I went to hand it to her. She goes, I am not using a pink pen. <laughs> not doing it. Um, but where she has a job, where she is in silence and puts on her sermons and puts on her music, I have a job where somebody is always in my head. Somebody's calling me or emailing me or, you know, an artist is reaching out to me and needing this or I'm doing a 750 person plate of dinner for our governor. Whatever it is, there's always somebody talking to me all the time. So I don't have a lot of quiet time. Um, and it was something even when I started back into therapy last year that my therapist even said, take 30 minutes and go somewhere before you go home. Take, have 30 minutes by yourself. And so um, what I hope the, the journal does for us is um, on days when my self-confidence is low or I can't find something to be grateful for because of everything that's happening up in here, that we can go back because we share it with each other and we talk about it and we want to go into detail that she can, she can grab it from me and go back to day 32 and say, remember on day 32 when you ABCD? Remember you told me today that that didn't go quite the way you wanted it to, but look how it turned out back on day 32. So that's what I'm hoping to get from it too. And um, I like, we've done the jar thing where you write it down and put it in the jar and read it at the end of the year. I like this because we can continually go back to it. So I'm excited. But again, I would like to encourage you guys to do it. You don't have to do it with somebody. I mean, it's obviously, you know, the, the, where I heard about it, the lady had done it herself. But um, if it's something you think you might like, just go get a journal or just and just try it. Try it for a week. Try it for a week. And it really did change me for a week. Just just one week. You know, I can't wait for the end of next week. I am. I am lighter. I am lighter. I have. I have. And I have. All right.
I used to be a person interested in New Year's resolutions, but I've fallen out of step with that. How many have fallen out of step with resolutions? How many are still doing resolutions? Yeah, good. No, nobody? Okay, there's got to be somebody. <laughs> yeah. How are you guys? How are you? Is there anything you want to share that you're doing that's new for you this year or things that you want to do that's new? Just go by Hobby Lobby on your way home. No, they're closed today. Thank God. Anybody else doing doing something worth sharing? Go ahead. Jays, raise your hand. Classic INFJ.
gosh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, the vulnerable parts of ourselves become our biggest asset. And the things that we think are weak compared to dominant culture expectations. And when we live in this dominant, this place where um, in the workplace, especially in a corporate type setting, where certain um, attributes are um, required or promoted over other attributes that are maybe a more still, that, that don't belong at the, at the board table necessarily, you know, or they, we don't think that they fit. But we're all discovering that our unique expression, we have a unique way of expressing exactly who we are. And it comes from, that is so courageous because it comes from a deep place of belonging. If you can feel like you belong to you and you approve of you deep, then you can show up in the world exactly the way you are and not think you're weird. But we've been told that, haven't we? If your personality doesn't exactly fit the mold of where, whatever work environment you're in, you, you're called out for that, right? Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Does that trick, does the, I was going to say, does that trigger anybody? Hopefully it doesn't trigger anybody. <laughs> does that make anybody want to say anything else along those lines? Or go, go ahead, Danielle. Y'all know what I'm going to say. It's this or better. It's either God, you got to restore this back to me, or something better. That's the phrase, this or better. Because if it's not this, it's not over. It's not the end of the story. And some, God is brewing and working on something better for us. Oh, that's hard to trust, though. Who else? Come on, some more wisdom in the house. Lots of wisdom is flowing today. We see it. I see the worst in there. Go, go ahead. It's good to see you.
That's so good to have you in the house. We welcome you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Go ahead, Hank. Or oh, Hank is coming. Everybody say, what, what? He's coming. And he's getting. <laughs> I don't know. I, I doubt it. I didn't want everybody to crank their neck looking at the back of the room. So, um, so I've been thinking about this lately. Sometimes we're we're triggered when we hear the name of Jesus because of how the name of Jesus has been presented to us in our life, um, speaking the word over you. <laughs> Or, or um, taking taking a particular Bible verse and 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 putting it in into your life in a way where somebody is forcing that on you. Um, and I was thinking uh, over the last uh, month or so, because of this new song that we've been singing, "I Speak Jesus." So what does it what it what does it mean to me? And the thing that I'm going to be focusing on this coming year, what does it mean to speak Jesus? Um, does that mean that that I I can take the the power of God that that name of Jesus, and just just like put it on somebody? Just there, there's Jesus magic. And sometimes the person receiving that is like, who the hell is Jesus? I just said hell in church. I'm sorry. It, it, it is. It is in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to get really weird on that right now because there's other things in the Bible. <laughs> so it's just going to, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Um, well, I was a pastor for 14 years, and one of the things that, that really kind of bothered me is why are all the Christians in jail, in prison, in spiritual prison? Why are, why are we all sitting as victims in this world when we can speak Jesus? when we can speak the authority of the power of Christ through us, when we can speak to our situation and speak Jesus to that situation as if Jesus is, what, inside of us? As if Jesus is actually a part of who we are. When we, when we look at the moon, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to get too much of When we look at the moon... Do we see the sun? We don't. The sunlight mixes with the moon. And when it comes to us, we see the sun. We see the source of that light, but we see the craters of the moon as well. The, the source, the presence of God mixed with that moon before it comes to us. And as we speak Jesus, the power of God is mixed with us as it goes out. So when we, when we speak Jesus, we speak Jesus, but we also speak Hank. We speak Jules. We speak Christina. We speak Marcia. We speak Bonnie. This year, I'm going to speak Hank. Jesus. Because you know what? 
It's the same damn thing. Well, I think, I think what you're saying is we're in relationship. Is that this whole idea of a trinity, okay? This idea of God as relationship is not to put a magic fix on things because we've all experienced that that doesn't work, right? Just saying something and expecting a whole thing to, to change it's what we chronically say, and it's in who we're in chronic relationship with. So I hear you saying, it's relationship. It's relationship. And I think we're being called into the divine relationship to be in process and in conversation with love. With love. Yeah. I think we know that, that when we're saying that song, we're not suggesting that, um, well, if you just say this one particular name, um, everything in your life is going to straighten up. I think we're dismissing children. Yes, we are. children can go back with, with Miss April. Can everybody, Miss April, can you come for a second? Can we just give them a round of applause real quick for Miss April? Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Happy New Year back there. You guys will have to stop by and see the children's churches. Uh, they were painted, and Marcia did the painting. Thank you so much for coming on your day and doing the painting. Um, she got some new stuff, new rugs in there. She's wanting to create a more peaceful place for our kids, a place where they can wonder and dream and be at rest and be at peace. So I'm really grateful for that. Anybody else before we move forward in the service? Um, it's just so good to see you guys. Good to see some faces I haven't seen in a long time. Yay! Happy Sweet 16. Great. Yes. BOKCenter.com. <laughs> Why don't you stand with me? Oh, it's so good to see everybody. Um, we are going to extend our grace and peace um, at this time, and then we'll gather back up, and I have a beautiful, some beautiful words and message and ministry to share with you today. I think you're in the right place. Um, if you see anybody try to head for the door, just go tackle them before, you know, nobody can leave at this point. You're in. You're in at this point. So um, be mindful of uh, social interaction um, if we can do more fist bumping and bowing instead of handshaking and hugging, okay? Can we agree on that? No handshaking today, all right? No handshaking. Just, I, I just felt all the introverts and the people that are germaphobes go, oh, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. No handshaking today. Fist bumping, elbow bumps, and bows. God bless you as you go. And say hello to everybody.
You go ahead and grab your seats. I like that song that was just playing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look forth in his wonderful face And the things of earth 
will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but they are do Gaither vocal band. You just want me to keep going. I'll just keep on singing. <laughs> Ooh, some people need some peace in this house today, right? Sometimes if we can just stop and tune in and get into a flow, the Lord will just do what the Lord does for hearts and comfort and, and join you and, and like kind of comfort you 
whereas more information being thrown at you isn't going to do much good. We're in an information age, and it's important that we um, slow down and pause and have experience with holy, have experience with the one within us. Um, Jessica, do you have that video for us? Everybody love Jessica 2023. Look up, love. Take your eyes off the ground. Show your face. A new day is here. The light is rising over you, shining brightly, moving shadows, touching your face. You are brilliant with it. Darkness may come and go, but the glory of our Creator is a constant companion, a steady light. Many will see you struggle to live, your choice to stand up and walk in the light and be changed. Have the courage to truly see not only the problems, but the one who remains with you holding the light. We are all coming together. Family, neighbor, and exiles taking our seats at the table. We are learning. We are healing. So, take the gift of this day you are given. Let the light enlighten you, emanate from within you, become you, be you. Power is shifting, and it won't look like what we think when love reigns. Cities riddled with the wreckage of war and marked by the scars of empire will exchange the sounds of violence and ruin for the clamor of co-creation and communion. Through the power of God, the oppressed and those stripped of their land are allowed to share in power. We all will weigh in. Life will grow from the most unexpected places. The smallest and least will be welcomed into the center and their perspective will matter. Not only will violence cease, we won't want to hurt one another, but cooperate for the goodness of all. The whole nature of creation will change. The sun and moon will not be the light we revolve around. We will turn and grow by the light of God that shows us the illumined way to go. We will be ruled by the power of love. We will be remade and refastened to God and one another. We will learn what harmony means. Look up, love. Take your eyes off the ground. Show your face. A new day is here. The light is rising over you, shining brightly moving shadows, touching your face. You are brilliant with it. Everything wrong side up is being upended 
The table is extending, rounding. You have a place that is only yours. And everyone, everyone, everyone at this table will have more than enough. So, stand up, open up, take it all in, and shine. Yeah, <laughs> I say yes to that. Things are shifting, aren't they? The uh, things that used to work don't work anymore the way that they once did. The society is shifting and changing faster and faster and faster. Things in our own lives, coping skills that used to work and settle you down, they no longer have the same effect because there's a new thing upon us. There's a new way of being in relationship with God and with ourselves. I had, uh, <laughs> I had an experience this week at the church. Um, I don't know if you know, but I office upstairs um, and try to come to the office more now that we're completely past. Can I say that we're out of the pandemic? Can I say that? Nope, can't say that. Okay, all right, nope. <laughs> or some, some are, some aren't. I get it. Um, oh, I like that. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just hate it when I'm trying to be holy up in my office, being pasta, Okay, and somebody interrupts me at the door. We keep these doors locked here um, all throughout the week, and so anybody that wants to come into the church has to ring the bell. And we have a lot of community traffic around this church, a lot of people walking around the building. Um, and so they'll hit the button and usually are needing some kind of assistance. And so I was really busy being all up in my holy pastoral preparedness, preaching, you know, um, preparing and studying on what I plan to deliver to you today, which is the story about the Good Samaritan. And it comes that doorbell. And I'm like, I don't have time for people needing stuff. I'm trying to, I'm trying to study about people needing stuff. I don't need to have a real-world example. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting because my wife Tamara was here and also Sarah Watson was here. And um, we, uh, didn't, we really did say, Sarah, Sarah was making me take her all around the church. She wanted a full tour of the church upstairs, right, Sarah? Everybody loves Sarah. Um, and... The, these people come to the door, ring the doorbell. My wife answers it. And she says what we're supposed to say. Um, the building is closed, and we don't have anything but a couple of, we have some food. If you could use some food, then we can help you. But generally, the building is closed, and so we're not able to support you at this time. And they said, it's okay, and they proceed to say, tell her a story 
about how they've just been in a car accident right out here on the highway. And that they um, just need to use the restroom. And with all females on staff here, both at First Lutheran and here, when someone's at the door, we have to exercise some kind of caution for ourselves. Uh, we don't have security. We don't have, you know, once they're in our building, it's now between us and them. And so we really have to know, you know, is this a safe situation? And so for the sake of the protocol and what we have to do for the rules in, in the building, we said, we're so sorry, we, we can't uh, let you in at this time, but there is a, a gas station around the corner. We just apologize. We're so sorry. And that's always hard. It's really hard to do. Um, so we go on about it. Um, Sarah and I go around the, the building. Tamara leaves, and, and I eventually leave as well. Um, but that kind of stuck in my heart. You know, it just kind of bothered me. Um, I don't like to have this building, this church building, and have it be closed. You know, when you come to a church, you expect it to be open, right? You expect them to have something for you. You expect it to be open. And I never like to turn anybody away. Uh, but we did. And it kind of just stuck with me. It stuck in my heart. And especially since I was preparing this message today, and it was, I was in the Luke text, in Luke chapter 10, and I'll read it to us. You all know this, the Good Samaritan story. And, you know, sadly, the Good Samaritan title, that's just an unfortunate title. Um, you know, as if to imply, most Samaritans are bad, but this particular one was good, okay? This, <laughs> and we think it's real cute when we name our outreaches the Good Samaritan Outreach and so on and so forth. It's really not cool, okay? It's really like, you know, that good woman, you know, because all the women are pretty much bad, but that good one, you know, amongst all the bad apples, there's that good one. Um, but anyway, that's just how the Bible text reads. We just got to get through it. All right. Um, um, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, our text for today. And behold, a certain lawyer, lawyer of what, right? The Mosaic law. So a person um, experienced in the law of Moses stood up and tested him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Jesus said, what is written in the law? And what is your reading of it? So two questions. What is the law, but what is your reading of it? So the lawyer answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered to him and said, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. 
Now by chance, a certain priest came down that same road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, but passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. When we think of this passage of scripture, it's usually been used to tell an assembly to do more good works. That's usually why we bring this story up in a church context, is to say, who is your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself, and do more good works, even if it hurts you, even if it costs you, do more. Isn't that kind of the basic message you hear from this? And it really, in my experience, has caused a lot of guilt for me. How about you? The Good Samaritan story has caused me to take pause in scenarios in which I didn't feel safe as a woman in a space, but because of my religious upbringing, I felt that maybe I had to overextend myself and even put myself in a place of danger in order to fulfill the gospel. Has anybody ever struggled with that same kind of thing? Okay, and so we're taught this parable um, and looking at the Good Samaritan, that he did a really great thing. Bear with me, that's not the point of this message today, okay? I'm not starting the new year off um, inviting you to do more good works, all right? But I am wanting us to look at this parable. What I know about Jesus is that Jesus is, with these people, very cunning. He's a critical thinker. He's a visionary. He's a storyteller. Jesus will meet you right where you are and take you from what you think and open you up to a whole new dimension. If you say, it is one way. And you can get, watch this all through the live conversations we have recorded of Jesus. If the person says, it's this, Jesus will say, yes, just as you say. And here's what I say. And here's this new dimension. In culture, um, there, in Asian tradition, rather, there's a concept known on, H-A-N. It's the word on. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that we don't, we don't have a word for this in English, but they have this word that encapsulates, it's really hard to describe even in English, but when someone has Han, 
have a generational trauma. They have a, a feeling that did not originate from them. It originated for them. It originated from generations before them. And it's passed on through the genetics and through the personality and the way that those people um, interact with other people. When you have Han, you have a, um, you know what it's like to be oppressed. When you, a, a person that has been oppressed or marginalized, discriminated against, has Han, okay? They have a feeling of being crushed that is passed on from generation to generation. And it's, it's almost a, um, it's an urge to right a wrong or to help when you know what it's like to be in a situation and you come across someone who's in that situation, when you extend your compassion to help remedy that pain of theirs, you're exercising what in Asian culture would be called Han. Like, so the Good Samaritan being a lesser people group than the Jews. See, they were Jews too, but they didn't worship right, and they didn't worship at the right place, and they didn't worship the right way. Come on. So the Samaritan Jews were at odds terribly. So for a Samaritan, and what is implied in this story is that the person that has been beaten, left half dead and, and unclothed on the road was a Jew. For a Samaritan to stop for a Jew was unprecedented. That just did not happen. The two Jews that passed before him didn't stop for their own brethren. And there's probably reasons for that. But see, that good Samaritan, that Samaritan that day was used to oppression. Understood what it was like to be left for dead. So the Han in the Samaritan responded to the Han in that guy on the, on the side of the road and moved him to compassion. The Han in me recognizes the Han in you and causes my heart to open and get vulnerable with my compassion and mercy. You see, the Levite, they're coming down from, Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem is like 2,100 feet above sea level. It's where they went to worship. They were winding down the road going down to Jericho, which actually is 2,000 feet below sea level. This was a journey of a meandering um, road that was easy for people to get ambushed on. They actually called it the way of blood. That road was so riddled with violence and people thievery and violence and robbery because around these corners you could hide and then ambush somebody. Well, the, the, um, the priest was likely coming from his duties in Jerusalem at the temple. He was finished for the day. He had been in his office studying for his message and was done for the day, goes on his way home. He had already done all his good stuff. He's like, let somebody else <laughs> take care of that. The Levite, Levites 
way that they were used in the temple is they were the musicians. They were the, um, the support staff. They helped uh, manage the administration and the different things that happened in the temple. That's what they were doing. So he likely was also coming from the temple, having just completed a full day's work, and sees another problem. And what does he not want? Another problem. What I know about these stories is the way our Western mind works is we want to get to the point, see what the conclusion is, see what I'm supposed to do based on this story. Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? Jesus, tell me how to inherit eternal life. What, what should I do? What should I do with my life? Do you know that Jesus never gives you a certain answer? Jesus never spells it out, but instead draws it out of your own well of wisdom. Jesus, like we were talking about, becomes this shepherd that leads through relationship. If you were on that road and it was dark and you were scared, what could you do for that person that was beaten and left for dead that wouldn't also put you in a place of jeopardy? Why did the the priest and the Levite pass him up? Did Jesus put the autonomy in, in them? You see, we're so quick to just say, those guys are bad. They did the wrong thing. They didn't stop. But what if they did the right thing for them? What if it was the right thing at the right time for them and gave this Samaritan an opportunity and gave the Samaritan an opportunity to show up in a way that maybe he didn't ever show up for before? Maybe this was the beginning of some racial healing in the Samaritan and the Jew that wouldn't have happened if just brother took care of brother. What if those people passing by were actually also being led by their spirit to pass that up and allow someone else the opportunity to serve. I mean, what if? See, I was raised in a culture that led with guilt, demands, and I mean, you got the more like service awards you had, <laughs> like the better, you know, the, the, the more it hurt, the better it was. <laughs> You know, if, if, you, if it, you give till it hurts kind of a thing. And my, the culture in which I was raised, uh, talking about church culture, was one that focused on sin. All, all the time. Anybody else? F focus on sin, like an overabundant focus on what you did wrong. And it was all the sins that you could see. The sins that you could see on the outside. Like, oh, come on, somebody. Smoking, drinking, uh Skating, if you were in my grandma's church, you couldn't go skating. Um, dancing, tattoos, makeup, ad 
uh, pants if you were supposed to be wearing a dress, dress if you're supposed to be wearing your hair, all the things you see, right? You see, they took on this list of what you could and could not do, and they called that God. They said, God doesn't want you to, and God doesn't approve, and God is hurt and disappointed with I mean, make you feel guilty, especially as a young person. That just riddles a young person with, I don't want to hurt the Lord. You know, the God of all creation will cry a tear over me if I say a cuss word. (sighs) So I was raised with a strong sense of what was right and wrong according to that value system. According to that list of values, I, if I were, was doing something, if I saw somebody smoking, I really thought that person, if Jesus were to come back in that moment, that person would likely go to hell. That's how strong it was on us. Now, I haven't thought that way in many, many, many years. And in case you don't know my view on sin, maybe you don't know, I'll tell you. <laughs> My view on sin is that it is like more often than not, it's not about what you can see. It's about what's going on in here. And here's what's up. It's not about you thinking bad thoughts about your friend or you having sexual impure thought, whatever the case is. It's none of that nonsense. Listen to me. Sin is the word hamartia in the Greek, Okay. And it talks about identity. It's about knowing who you are and who you are connected to and whose you are. When you know, and when you know that you deeply belong to God, that you are deeply loved exactly the way you are, you will act in ways that are dignifying to yourself and also bring dignity to others. When you don't know, when you have forgotten who you are, with, when you have amnesia about the fact that you are the beloved of God in Christ, that's what I consider sin. When you forget who you are and you act out of a place of scarcity, you act out of a place of stinginess, You reserve mercy instead of extend it. You reserve um, unforgiveness in your own heart instead of releasing it. That, to me, is a state or a situation of sin. I'm not looking at, is your hair the right length? Do you have your makeup on? Did you read your Bible? We're not looking at that list. I want to know, do you know to whom you belong? Do you know how deeply loved you are? Do you know how free you are? Do you know what you've been given? That's what I care about. Because you know all that list of, of do's and don'ts? When John said on the river bank, the Jordan River, and looked to Jesus and said, Behold, come on, the Lamb of God who takes away the orphan spirit of the world. Who takes away the sin of the world is what the scripture says. But Bonnie says the orphan spirit, that spirit that doesn't let you know that all things have been given to you. You've come from the Father. You're going to return to the Father, and all things are of him. 
sin seemed to be very evident and apparent in, those, in that church culture that I was raised in. You could just look at somebody and tell if they were a sinner. Like if their tattoos are showing. Yep. Later on that day, um, I, I left, I did some meetings, came back. I came back to the office that same day that, I'm t- that I was talking to you about, same day, and it was dark. I let myself in the building. Marsha's too scared to come in this building in the dark. <laughs> but I came back to do some things in the evening up in the office, and I, you know, put the alarm code in, came in to the church, did my things. I was leaving. It was about 8.30 at night. Get in my truck, turn it on. The, the, the parking lot is very well lit out here. And we have cameras all around the building, so I was able to, I always look in the video uh, screens to be sure before I leave, I make sure that nobody's like in the bushes or whatever, because that happens. Anyway, and so I, uh, I left, I locked it up, went out to the truck, started up my truck, I'm getting ready to go. I look over to my right as I'm leaving the parking lot, and there's that car that was there earlier. It's an SUV. I stared at it and stared at it because it looked people in there. And the back, their, their like hatchback was all crumpled up. And I had this immediate aware. I was like, they were telling the truth. This really happened. Oh my gosh, they have been here all day. Oh, my Lord. I sat there, and I mean, we're alone. It's, you know, I'm by myself, and I'm considering, what am I willing to do if I do go up to this vehicle and talk to them and ask them what they need? Am I willing to, let's name it, am I willing to put them up in a hotel? Am I willing to let them stay? What am I willing to, what am I going to do if I do talk to them? I sat there, and I sat there, and I sat there just contemplating, what should I do? And I just knew, I, did, I knew that I couldn't go home. I knew that I couldn't leave without saying something. But I, I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to put him in a hotel, but let me see. Let me go see what's going on. So I pull around the, the parking lot, come up that other parking lot, the lower one, come back around, and come up on this side of them, so they're over here. I roll down the window. I say, hey, you guys. It's a young couple. Um, they're like, hey, we've had a really hard day. Um, my family's just 30 minutes away. They're coming from Arkansas. Um, they're, they're coming. We were in a wreck out there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I just, I apologized to them. I said, I am so sorry. You, you, you've been here all day. Yeah, it's okay, though. We, we've eaten. We've, you know, we have enough money. We have all these things. We were just in this accident. It was, a, it was like a multiple car pileup out on the road, and they were able to get off of the road and get their car here, but then their, their tires were flat. 
and the back end was crumpled up. They had a couple little dogs in the car. They were actually going to Colorado where he was stationed. So they were taking, I know, right? It just gets worse. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So um, are, you, are you pregnant too? What else? I mean, what? Are you in labor? The dogs are tired, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're thirsty. Jesus, help them. So I was like, oh, man, I am so sorry. Full disclosure, and I told them what I told you. You know, there's, we're women in here. We, we just, we can't always open the door. We're so sorry. It's just so unfortunate. I'm so glad you were able to park here all day. They're like, yeah, my, my, my dad's coming with the trailer. They're going to put the car on the trailer. We're going to get a hotel, get some good rest, and then go back home tomorrow. I said, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so glad. Well, f- forgive us, and I'm so glad you're okay, and, and so on, and just talked with them for about 15 minutes just to pass the time. Um, and when I left them, they only had another 15 minutes to wait. Do you know there was no textbook way to handle that? There's no textbook way to live your faith. There's no all the time in every situation you got to do this. There's not. But to be, this house has to be in relationship. We have got to yield when we need to yield. We have got to do what's right for us in the moment and honor our own system. If you're scared, if, you're, um, if you have a gut feeling that if you were to proceed forward on that, that something you might put yourself in danger's way, you follow that. When, if a man approaches me, and forget, forget, forgive me, when a man approaches me in a dark place for money, when I'm by myself in the truck, I don't even let them get close to me. I say, stop it right there. Go to somebody else and ask for what you need. I see that you need something, but you will not come near me. That's just, Robin, come on. That's just what I do. That does not make me any less of a Christian. It does not make me any less of a servant. It does not make me less hospitable. And then there are times that my heart is so moved for someone that, I have, that I'm in relationship with on the street or what have you, that I sit with them. I get their dog what they need. I get them what they need. I sit and I hold them. I get lice on me. I get, I get smelly. I get gross. Because my heart's moved. Our culture is set up in a way that we live in silos. We, they call them houses, <laughs> but we live in silos. It is unwise of me to bring home every friend that I meet on the street to my wife and little girl. It's unwise of me. But I will tell you, if we lived in a different kind of place, if we lived in community, where all of a sudden the person in need, if we were in commune and community and in relationship, and we had chores and, and jobs and things for people to do, and someone's down on their luck, and we had we were actually living from the land. <laughs> Come on, can I just be a little bit on my soapbox for a minute? If we were living from the land and living in relationship with the land and living in relationship with people, 
Wouldn't it be so much easier in a communal type setting to bring someone and say, hey, you can go ahead, clean the fish every night. You can be the, the fish cleaner for a little while until you get yourself up on the, You know, we need help making the, the clothes for the little ones. You can come in and help us sew and help us cook. Right now, it's hard to know how to help people, isn't it? How do I help you if I don't have a surplus of what we call in this country money? If I don't have the right currency, how do I extend my heart and my home to you? Guys, these are tough questions. How do you live out your faith in a way that's loving your neighbor? When we're scared, we have limited resources, we have to ask these questions. So it would be good for us to look at a parable like this and not dog and disrespect the priest that walked by, not dog and disrespect the Levite that walked by, but rather put our faith and trust in an almighty, all-knowing, all-sufficient God who has more than enough laborers in this vineyard to help those who need help. This is what I would suggest as you move into this next year in how do you help and when do you help and how far do you help and how much do you help and ah, da, 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 da. I want you to always think about this story and think about what Jesus was doing with that lawyer who wanted all the right answers. And Jesus didn't give it to him. Jesus made him think and, and dream and imagine through the scenario for himself. But what we end up with this story is we end up with mercy. And church, what I guess I want to share with you is that if you don't give someone another dollar, but if what you have to give instead is mercy and a prayer, do that. If you can keep your heart open and clear, even if you can't help them, with silver and gold, even if you can't help them with money or a place to stay, if you can keep your heart people, regardless of how they got there, and maybe say a prayer for them. Very often, I will say, angels, do you have this? You got this? I look up and say, angels, you got this, right? And I, and I expect that heaven will move and put people in position to help people. I believe there's someone always to help, that God will do it. If you can't do it, God will send somebody else to do it. We got to trust that. But stay open and merciful in your heart. Does that make sense? Open and merciful for what you can do. Yeah? It's good, right? It's interesting. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. So mercy, mercy is something that starts in the heart. It starts in the bowels. <laughs> it's kind of like the Han, okay? Mercy starts in the heart and then it flows out from there. If we can keep an open heart and a judge-free zone in here, we don't have to know why so-and-so is at the bottom on their bad luck or they didn't, get the, they didn't save right or they didn't do right or they're on, whatever the case is, we have this judge, this counter all the time going, right? Whether or not they deserve our help. Come on, somebody. Well, I know if I give them that 10 bucks, they're just going to blow it up their nose or whatever. I don't know. 
I think I conflated. I just had a, a malafore there. I'm sorry. Um, if we can stay merciful, which would mean there's no judgment, I'm going to stay merciful and open, and I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to pray that God blesses them, or I'm going to see how can I support this need. So basically just staying open, staying open to it, and allowing yourself. Did you have something, Lance? You just okay. Um, you're staying open in a merciful way, where you're not judging that person for why they're in the scenario that they're in, right? Does that make sense? Cool. Yeah. So, in the morning, I did the right thing, and in the evening, I did the right thing. Blessed be the name of the Lord, because there is mercy to me. There is mercy from me, and there's not always a right answer in every situation. We have got to be in relationship with mercy. Sound good? That let you off the hook a little bit of this Good Samaritan story? You know, it lets you, it lets you off the hook to go, you know what? The, I, am, I am each one of those roles at any given time. Right, and I and I think that prayer and intention and blessing someone, even if we can't do anything monetarily, goes a long way. Goes a long way for people, and keeping one's own heart clear and free. Um, can we have the band? Where did I lose Shara? Did I offend you? No. Okay. <laughs> I always think if people leave, I've offended them. Oh no. Come on up. Oh, I figured. <laughs> the reason I brought up that sin was so easy to identify when I was a kid is because they rarely considered matters of the heart. It was just what you could do externally. And that night, when I had a choice to just put it in drive and go, or to stay, I knew in my heart that I, if I left without giving them the comfort of my presence and the comfort of my conversation, is sometimes all you need is a smile and a gentle word, right, to help you through a hard time. And if I didn't at least offer them that, I knew for me that would be, that would be a sin. Bum, bum, bum. I knew for me that would be a sin. Does that make sense? It's about the heart. And the Lord understands. Go ahead and stand with me. We've been so accustomed to this book having all the answers and having the rules. And I think what Jesus came to show us is that there's mercy and there's a relationship that we need to be in because things aren't always so black and white like we want them to be. And there's nuance. There's nuance to what we do. And I think that the Lord Jesus is all about lifting and removing guilt and using all kinds of creative ways to get the help that we need.
to everyone that needs it. God has a way of being God when we can't, right? Um, I would love to sing as the children are going to make them their way back in. Um, what do y'all want to sing? We got a song. Okay, cool. <laughs> sure, it's like, don't be naming stuff that we didn't practice. For real. And then we'll take communion together. We're going to have some uh, confession time now, now that we've talked about sin. It's time for some confession. Somebody said earlier that confession is you speaking what God says about you over you. So let's do that. Wait, say that again? Well, I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing somebody else, so quoting somebody else. I don't remember who said it this morning, but that confession is speaking what God says about you over you. Not you pouring out any wrong thing you did. or That's not God's story. It's what He says about you. Confession is saying the same thing that God says about you. Let's sing together. You say. 